Good morning, good old sports fans. We're here. It's Tuesday, long weekend of football, and uh, but we were packing it in all weekend. <coughs> yep, man. It's been football packed, and uh, one of the things that um, one of the things that uh, I enjoy about it is, you know, when uh, things are, I guess, proved wrong. All week it's been. Dallas Cowboys aren't going to do this. Aren't going to do that. They won't win if they do this. So last night was a, uh, you know, kind of put everybody on notice. Even even me, I didn't expect them to win by what they won by, but uh, it was a very good game. <clears throat> so yeah, this foot this this weekend, man. These last three days, nothing but football, and the NFL has dominated uh, the league. Uh, and oh, and yeah. the, Easily. the, sports and the world. TV world. I mean, on both sides. Like, even the teams who aren't in the playoffs right now are kind of dominating the news cycle, which is what I say. You know, the NFL is great at promoting uh, itself. Yep. But, yeah, I texted you at one point, and you were like, oh, I'm not, I, I didn't see that. And I was like, oh, you're going to miss the biggest game of the year. And, yeah, but, you know. No, I had to go out. I had to uh, go out and run some... Errands, those pesky errands. Uh, but I, uh, I watched the first half and was pleased, and so it's like okay. By the time I got back, they had. Uh, but I was keeping up with the score. Yeah. By the time I got back, they had just started the fourth, uh, third quarter, and uh, it was twenty-four to zero. And so, I was pleased. I was, I was like, all right, cool. Well, a lot, a lot to get to uh, in that game and a lot to get to uh, throughout the NFL here in a little bit. We're actually going to have our uh, Cowboys and Texans uh, insider cover, whatever you want to call him, uh, Elwin Henderson on here in a little bit. And uh, he'll talk about that game. And uh, I, I've got some questions for him in regards to a few other things as well. Uh, before we uh, dive, <coughs> of course, into the NFL, uh, there are still some... Some NBA headlines, and I, I thought this one was interesting. Uh, Kyrie Irving kind of took a shot, or appeared to take a shot in any ways, uh, at James Harden. So, a- as you'll recall, we've talked about this, that you know Kevin Durant's out, looks like he's going to be out for about a month. And last year when he went out, uh, the Nets were 5-16, and 16, had an 11-game losing streak, and thus far they, they've uh, only lost two games. That they played, uh, you know, one of them was a close one uh, last week, and then they w- lost one since then. It was also a close game, so not a blowout by any means. So, and that was one of the things I talked about with with the Nets is you've got to find a way to kind of tread water here, stay above board, you know, keep within reaching distance of the Celtics, and you've got a chance. But the biggest thing was you know finding your rhythm with Durant off the court, which last year they had no no idea. You know, if yeah. Durant wasn't on the court, uh, they were in trouble. Well, they asked Kyrie about this. Uh, and this is what he said. He said, well, I'm consistently in the lineup. That helps, Irving said after Saints lost to the Thunder. We also don't have anyone who is halfway in in the locker room. And, I mean, that was aimed directly at James Harden because, you know, it was no secret last year that, after a little bit, Harden said, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This isn't working out. 
and he kind of indicated I want to go and play, you know, elsewhere, take my services elsewhere. I, I just thought that was interesting because we talk a lot about James Harden and where he fits in into the league, where he fits in, you know, historically and all of those things. And he's going to get his. He's going to put up points. He's going to have those stats. Uh, but is he a winner? You know, and that that's always the question. Is he a guy who's going to really help you win a championship? And what's he kind of like, you know, because we're, we're not in on this because we're not in that locker room. But you, you start asking, okay, well, what's he like in the locker room? I think you got your answer. That, that he's a guy who if things aren't going his way, he's halfway in or he's halfway out. And he's always looking for, you know, that next opportunity. Now, the same thing could be said to some extent of Kevin Durant, but it seems like Durant's kind of figured out, hey, here's my role, and Kyrie Irving as well. I think that that's making a large impact. I mean, obviously up to this point with the Brooklyn Nets, that you don't have anybody who's halfway out in that locker room. Okay. I'd say this about Kyrie. Or Kyrie had no room to say make a comment like that. First of all, in the whole offseason, for the majority of the part, no one knew whether you or KD were going to be playing. And so for him to make take a shot at James Harden like that is out of his range. Because... We didn't know if okay, or you had it. You wanted to go to L.A. You wanted out of Brooklyn, and then your partner over there, KD, wanted the head coach gone, or he was gone. And so, for you to say halfway in, halfway out is not that's not fair to James Harden when you were going through the same thing in the off season. You and KD, nobody knew that team didn't know if you guys were going to be there. It's just so happened that all of a sudden now you just want to stick it. Stick it out, you know. But you don't. He doesn't have room to make that that comment. He doesn't have a, 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 any kind of ground to make that that accusation. You know, it's not it's not like he was this a hundred percent in. No, he just got there. So don't take shots at James Horton. You know, they're winning just like y'all are winning. Or well were so it, it, it'd be best that you he just stay in his mind his own world business because you you can't take shots at somebody else like that when those three were led the off season headlines for i mean for the majority of it it wasn't until the season started that okay you got a sense that they were going they were gonna stay so therefore Kyrie Irving, are you good, man? Just play your game. Mind your business. Because it looks bad when you take shots like that at somebody who hasn't took, taken shots at you. And you did it for no reason. Well, I think it goes back to, though, that Kyrie didn't want James Harden. That that wasn't his move. That that was well, okay. Katie's hey, well, and, okay, that, uh, that's, let's get the band back okay. together. Well, that's and the Kyrie problem. didn't want him there in the first that's place. That's the problem. Then just say that. Okay, well, the, and don't don't take shots of the man. You that's your personal problem. If you don't want a guy there, that's your personal problem. Don't take shots at him. But there does seem to be some validity to it, 
And, and here's why I say that. The statistics bear out that there's something different. And it's not Ben Simmons. I mean, Ben Simmons is helping as far as, you know, he's able to kind of command that offense down it's the court. It's different because they made up in their mind that they were going to stay. That's the difference. I mean, there's no other difference. They were halfway in, halfway out. That's the only difference that him and KD made up in their mind that they were going to stay. Other than that, it was the same thing. I mean, Ben Simmons has really has nothing at all to do with it. It's just the fact that they made up in their minds, we're going to stick it out because we we I I, I Kyrie wanted uh, KD to be there. He brought KD on. They brought KD on, and he was looking to leave. And he looked and said, okay, well, maybe I ought to stay because I did bring him here and told him that I wanted to win with him. And so that's the reason. you know. But him not wanting, KD wanting James Harden there and uh, Kyrie Irving not wanting him, there's a different situation. That has nothing to do with halfway in and halfway out. That's all about Kyrie. So it's like he just threw James Harden under the bus to cover his own, his own personal problems with him. If you have a personal problem with the guy, just say that. Don't throw him under the bus. That's the issue that I have with that comment. Is because then you just said something that was very controversial for no reason. All you had to say, you know, I didn't agree with his playing style, and I didn't really, really want him there. On, you know, I didn't really feel comfortable with having him on the, you know, on the same team as me. KD did, but I didn't say that. It's that simple. Don't throw another guy under the bus for your own personal problems. That's all I have to say about that. It's Kyrie. Well, I mean, they asked him the question, and if that's the answer, yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with it because I, I think that James Harden is notorious for this. Now, granted, do I think that Kyrie was all the way in last year? No, I don't. Do I think that there were conversations in the offseason? Do I think he was serious about supposedly wanting to play with LeBron? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, but but they asked the question. I think that that's kind of where we're at, especially in the NBA right now. Is if reporters don't want those kind of answers, then don't ask those kind of questions. Like if you don't want to start beef with, between two guys, then just don't ask. But the no, question. that's not. But that's the thing. The question doesn't have anything to do with it. It's the answer. You can ask questions all day. Okay, but they ask the question. What's the difference? If in his opinion, the difference is that James Harden's not there. But it's the way he said it. See, there's a there's a way you say things, and it's a way you don't say them. And the way he said it was throwing shots unnecessarily. He could have just said something in the terms of, if you were going to call this man out, be a man and call this man out. But don't take pity shot, petty shots. If you're going to do that, just say it. That's the problem. I mean, you can ask questions all day, and we both know this. You, you ask questions all day. But it's about your response. They asked this question. He know the response. And that's the thing. He bit into the bait. He bit the bait. And he did that. So that's on him. He made the petty comment when he didn't have to. The reporters asked the questions. That's their job. But it's on him the way he responds. And I don't think he should have responded like that because that's petty. And you a grown man. You can't do that. I just think that this is where we're at, though. You you ask these questions, you're going to get those kinds of answers. I don't care who you're talking to Man. or what. This is this is the NBA. This is the NFL. I mean, because yeah. that's what happens when you give players the responsibility of the front office. When you reach a point where they're getting to run the team, they're going to say things. 
right, wrong, or indifferent, they're going to say things like this, and I can't imagine that they ask that question without expecting that kind of a response. I mean, you know, there's obviously going to be some sort of a response in regards to James Harden because he's the piece that's not there anymore. He, you know, he's the one that, that has changed the complexion of that offense. Now, I'm, you know, the, the one thing that I was a little bit surprised at in that exchange was that there was no mention of Steve Nash no longer being the coach, uh, you know, and Jacques Vaughn being in charge. I really thought that they would go in that direction, but it seems that they're going to kind of let Steve Nash, you know, go back into hiding or whatever it is that he does when he's not, you know, coaching and leave that area alone. Uh, but I, I just thought those comments were, were interesting. You know, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, I thought that they were interesting because it was, it was a sense that, you know, listen, we, we had some guys in this locker room okay. that we didn't want here. Okay, hold on. How long has it been since? Is this James Harden's first year in Philadelphia? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, he was there all last year in Brooklyn. Kyrie barely, barely played. Okay, but that wasn't Kyrie's fault. See that—that's okay. the other thing. Okay, with Kyrie. I, I, but I—I I, I get that it wasn't okay. It wasn't his fault, but he barely played. So how would he know? Halfway, half in, halfway in, halfway out. Well, he—he he even acknowledged that though at the beginning of the comment that he said, "Well, you know, it helps because I'm on the court more." He—he he acknowledged that part of it, but I think that's the other thing. I think we're unfairly harsh to Kyrie Irving because he—he he catches grief for well, he didn't play. Well, he's not the one who put those mandates in place. Well, yeah, yeah. And, you but, know, and, and he catches grief for some of the comments. He's an American citizen. He gets the right to a freedom of speech. Okay. I mean, I, I think that we pile on on Kyrie. Yeah. For I, no reason. Man, I mean, yeah, yeah. But the, the comment he just made, man, he the first man. Nah. He should. I, be, I thought it was warranted because I think that 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 shows where James Harden is, like, and how he's viewed by the rest. But you of the threw league. him under the bus. He wasn't the only issue of that team last year. Well, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He threw him under the bus. And he didn't have to. That's the that's the problem. But it goes back to what I said. This is the, this is professional sports now. That's going to happen because when you start giving power to players and they get to make the decisions, they're going to say things like this. Yeah. I mean, these are things that years ago a, a, a coach or a manager would have, you know, a general manager would have said, but they're not saying these things because they're not the ones, you know, necessarily running the team. And so I think that, you know, we're going to see more and more of it. But I just thought those were, were some interesting comments. Another kind of interesting development is that Kyle Kuzma uh, wants out of Washington, that he no longer wants to be... You know, a member of the Wizards, his contract's coming up at the end of the year. Uh, as reported by Mark Stein, uh, the Wizards uh, are saying that they're not going to move him at the deadline. They repeatedly have insisted uh, behind the scenes that they are prepared to pay Kuzma what it takes after he becomes an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. However, there are people in uh, Kuzma's inner circle uh, who have said... Uh, that Kuzma would prefer to relocate in the offseason, but perhaps that is wishful thinking, but that he does want to go somewhere else. He is having a career year. At age 27, he's averaging 21.7 points, having 7.4 rebounds and 3.9 assists. Uh, 
shooting 46.3% from the field, 33.9% from three. So, a good year, and this is typically, you know, the kind of year that you have, and then you go cash in on that big contract. The question is, where does he go? Well, it's Kyle Kuzma. He could land anywhere. He's still young. He can play, so he could land anywhere. Perhaps I'd say he'd go back to the Lakers because they need a player like him. And, I mean, it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be... Uh, it wouldn't be overshot because at this point with the Lakers, I mean, you're grasping for help. And in my opinion, they should have never really got rid of him in the first place. Uh, Just like they should have never got rid of a lot of players that they got rid of. But he was one of your guys that would come off the bench and that could, you could count on him to score. And that's what they're lacking uh, on the roster this season. And so getting rid of Kyle Kuzma wasn't the best move, but him wanting to be out of Washington, it it doesn't surprise me because he can be that lead man if he you know so chooses. But you know you want to you want to be able to play with a team that's well rounded and uh, sure you know the Wizards aren't necessarily sure. They're no, not I sure mean they've had a terrible season. Yeah, and so. And so you gotta, you gotta look at that. He's still young, you know. He still wants to win. He's not. He, he probably doesn't have that mentality. Well, I'm just gonna settle, settle here, and you know, stick it out until something happens. Well, if something doesn't like it's gonna be happening in the near, near future, you know, you you grasp for that rope and to swing other places. But uh, at this point in his career, he's 27. He's still young. Uh, putting up a pretty good average, uh, average of points. So I think that he could uh, go any other place that, I mean, I say that he so chooses, but anyone that needs him, it'll, it'll be an easy pickup. But for well, me... It, it comes down to who's going to pay him. You know, yeah, for, who's got that kind of money well, in for me, space. For me, I, and this is why I say the Lakers should have never let him go because now you got to get him back at a higher expense possibly. If you kept him, he was coming up on his his contract anyways. If you kept him, you wouldn't have to have paid him as much. You could have extended him and still and tagged on an extra however much, but you wouldn't have to have paid him as much. Now that he's coming back as the player that he is, you're going to have to pay him just about the same or you have to buy out that contract or whatever but he could land preferably I'd say the Lakers uh well you want him on the Lakers because yeah, I Lakers want him back thing. yeah I want him back on the Lakers because he was a good fit he was the he he came in with Lonzo uh and he at that point as we both know he was the better player when they drafted Lonzo mm-hmm. They drafted him, but they drafted Lonzo thinking that Lonzo was going to be the lead guy, but he ended up being the lead guy. And he proved himself over the years, even in the championship season. You have to, you just have to work through all the other stuff with him being inconsistent in some games. And, you know, but other than that, Which man, he seems to have fixed, you know, yeah. this season. But other than that, man, Kuzma's, Kuzma was the star of that team. And it's now you see what it's like because him coming off the bench, he led that bench. 
he was the he was the leader coming off the bench, uh, and with Caruso and KCP three. Those guys, you know, they shine together. And so when you when you lose that, and it's obviously, obviously it's noticeable now because this last season and this season, it's like they're the Lakers are grasping for air. They're grasping for players that who will come off the bench and be productive. Well, you got rid of those players. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I said the other day with Rob Polinka is that he built a team to where it was a, a win-ready, win-now team. What So he thought. And it ended up being a disaster. Because you got rid of your key players. You got rid of your key backups. You got rid of your key defensive players. And now you don't have anybody. You're grasping for air. And so, yeah, I want Kuzma to come back. because Not because it's just a, a Lakers. Uh, I'm a Lakers fan, but because it makes sense. You know? It makes a whole lot of sense. Well, it does. But I think he's the kind of player right now with those numbers. You could plug him into several teams. Yeah, you could. You know, and, and he makes them better. Well, and I say, okay, okay, if that's the case, he could go over there with Dallas. He can go that, over there that was with my next move. Was I think that Dallas could use yeah. him. Because he's able to take... That pressure that we've talked about for weeks now off of Luka and give you a player. Now, I want to go back to the Lakers' decision, though, and this goes back to, to, I agree, why let him walk? Because you had an opportunity to extend him after that first contract. And if I'm going to keep a guy of that caliber, I want him coming off that first contract because then I don't have to pay him as much. Now he's an unrestricted free agent. You're probably looking at a max deal. I mean, he, he's going to command a lot of money, and the question then becomes, do you have the cap space if you're, you know, with the luxury tax and all that, if you're the Lakers? Do you have the monetary uh, means well, see, necessary the, to get some Also, and the thing was that you you did that. I don't think Kuzma liked playing with LeBron. Uh, well, and, and, you know, I say that because you go back and you look at it, he got rid of all his teammates. Yeah. He was the only one left from that squad. Uh, he got rid of Brandon Ingram uh, and, and Ball. He got rid of his guys that came in with him and just to get AD. So he was the only one left. And then you drop him just to get Russell uh, Westbrook. Westbrook. And, I mean, you got you to gotta look at how and see it from his point. He was a young kid. He was a kid at the time. Came in, he was only in his second year in the league. You know, he's still finding his pace and everything. And then, boom, you know, the, his, the guys that he came in with, the class he came with, they're gone. He's the only one there. That's a lot of pressure because now you don't have, you know, you're having to be something, you know, being pushed into a role that uh, you're new in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're new at. You know, it was Lonzo, and then it was him, and then uh, – and. Brandon Ingram, where they play different positions, but you're being pushed into a role that un- unnecessarily. And so, at that time, he didn't really have anybody, you know, to... It's like he didn't have anybody to go to on that team because they were all older, you know. It was, mm-hmm. And so, it wasn't until 2020 that he they got those the younger guys in there, you know, that he was able to relate to and, you know, play. But Kuzma, I mean... Like I said, he was the star of that of that Lakers squad. Coming off the bench, he was your wing guy. You know? Yes, he had inconsistencies, but you could count on him when it was needed. Uh and that's why I say he made go back he 
go back to the Lakers. The Lakers will have to pay out the butt just to get them, but. Well, but that's do they have? I mean, that's where you have to start looking at that Lakers roster. I, I, you could you How could get you rid of some bringing, guys. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's that's where I think the Lakers are kind of at a, a crossroads here. How do you keep adding guys? Like you've got to eventually let somebody go. Yeah. Well, but it's not just the fact that they're adding them, but it's the fact that they're adding them and letting them go. Adding them, then it's the one-year deals that are that are hurting the Lakers because you're you're getting guys is like you're test driving them. Well, you're not getting Kuzma on a one-year deal. No, not you're not. But see, that's what I'm saying. If you kept Kuzma, you wouldn't have to constantly do this one-year let go, one-year let go kind of kind of deal. You get your guy, and you have your guy, and you have him on a fresh contract, extended contract. You keep him for another three years. You know, and then see what you could do with him. You know, but but you just letting him go when he's at the peak of his career is that's not justifiable. And then you go get someone else. This was like uh, Malik Monk. You go get him. You know, he comes and he dominates. He's you know he's your player, and then boom, now he's going to another team. Then you bring in Lonnie uh, Lonnie Walker. Mm-hmm. Lonnie Walker. Is another so what's gonna happen with Lonnie Walker at the end of this season? Are you gonna keep him? You know, because before he got injured, he was your guy too. So what's the thing with the Lakers is what's gonna happen with these one year deal guys? You know, because you 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 let somebody go who you could have kept and saved yourself the energy and money and you know, and the time because you just—I mean, these guys are coming in and they're just—they're—they're they're doing good, and then boom, they're off to the next team. And it's like I don't—it's—it's it's not consistent as an organization, as a franchise. And one thing with the with them is you have to look at Kyle Kuzma. He's still—you haven't had him for two seasons now, and he's, he's still, still young. yeah, he's still young, and he still can score. You need that, you know. It'd be great if you could get him back with Lonnie, uh, Lonnie Walker. It'd have been great if you could have had him with Malik Monk, you know. But but that that's that's the thing. The the Lakers they consistently shoot themselves in the foot with these picks, unnecessary picks at that, because you could have kept a guy. You didn't have to go get Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, that was a that was move. a that was a dream that was chased a long time ago and should have been let go. But you didn't have to go get Carmelo Anthony, you know? But if you're Washington, why not just trade him? You know, they're saying, well, no, we're going to try next team. If he doesn't want to be there, you're you're a below 500 team. You're out of the playoff race. Why not trade him and see what you can get? Because if he's going to walk, you're not getting any compensation for him anyways. That was my other takeaway from that, is if I'm Washington, he's having a you know career year, there are plenty of teams out there that could use him in, in some form or fashion. Many of them contenders that maybe he kind of puts them back into to not just a playoff spot, but maybe a, a, the serious conversation of being able to, you know, compete for a championship. If I'm Washington, I'm putting him on the trade block. And I'm going to see, you know, what what would Dallas give me? If, if the Lakers really want him, are they willing to trade for him at this point? And then, you know, let him finish out the year and then maybe talk to him about an extension. Uh, if you're the Celtics, do you bring him in? I mean, there, there's a list of teams off the top of, you know, your head that you can think of. 
And you would think if you're Washington, you want to see what... And, and that's why I understand with these teams that are out of contention that have these guys, you know, that are putting up, playing points and rebounds and playing well, having career years, and they're on the back end of their contract. If I'm a GM of, of, of the, one of those teams, I, I'm wheeling and dealing. You know, and, and, and it might not be you know, something that your fan base necessarily likes. But if you've got guys like this who are saying, listen, I'm not coming back. He's already telling guys or people in his circle, I don't want to be here. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go test the market. Get what you can while you can. And that's what I, I think the NBA is full of teams that have traditionally held on to guys when they should have tried to trade them. Because they're not getting anything back, you know, out of them leaving in free agency. And they're just staying in this repeated cycle of being unable to, you know, replace players and put up a competitive team. So I thought that that was interesting, you know, that Washington's trying to hold on uh, to him. Well, we told you that we were going to have a guest on uh, this morning. And so we're going to get a hold of uh, Mr. Henderson here. Well, good morning, Mr. Anderson. How are you doing this morning? Hey, doing great. How are you doing today, Riley? Doing well. Glad to have you back on the show. I uh, know that you had a, a late night and a quick early flight, but uh, glad that you were able to come and join us. Well, thanks for having me back on. That was an exciting night, for sure. So what what were some of your biggest takeaways from the ball game last night? Well, number one, the Cowboys aren't nearly as bad as they looked a week ago against Washington. Number two, the Buccaneers are just as bad as we thought they were all season. Number three, Tom Brady has definitely lost a step for five. Mm-hmm. And number four, it was so fantastic to see those disappointed Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans walking out of there last night. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I was talking to some people about this last night. You know, everybody was kind of jumping off the Cowboys ship, you know, after the loss last week, but they really seemed to shore up some of the questions that we had, you know, coming into the playoff game. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, as you know, Dak Prescott looked horrible last mm-hmm. week. And last night, I think his passer rating was 148.3. Uh, four touchdowns in the game, and that tied uh, Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman for most touchdown passes by a Cowboys quarterback in a playoff game. And, you know, funny thing, is, as everybody knows, Brett Maher could not have had a worse night. Well, yeah, I guess he could have. He could have missed all five of the extra <laughs> points. But he was 50 of 53 during the regular season. But then when he missed that one last Sunday up in Washington, for whatever reason, it looked like he just kept overcompensating. And there was one time after the third one that he missed, I don't know if they showed it on TV or not, but what Dak was furious. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, yeah they... down and went over and got in his face. And so Ed Werner, who was with uh, ESPN Dallas, who I've known for many years, asked Dak when he came in for his post-game press conference, he said, you know, Dak, you were, you were really – emotional at Maher about the the misses. They said, what are your thoughts? 
need to look for a new kicker. And he said, absolutely not. He said, look, in a football game in the height of emotion, things spew over sometimes. He said, well, did you talk to him after the game? He said, I did. I walked up to him and said, you saw what I played like last week. And I won't use the word, but it'll remind you of chickens. <laughs> and he said, he said, this was your night. You made that last one. Get it together. We're going to need you next weekend in San Fran. Well, that, so, that kind of answers my question that I was going to ask about that. So that there doesn't seem to be any loss of confidence in Maher after the game. No, no, absolutely not. And, uh, in fact, when Mike McCarthy came out, he always comes out first after every game, and then Dak a little bit later. Ed Werder asked him and brought it up, and I, I was listening with my earbuds to Brad Sham and Babe Loffenberg's radio broadcast while I was watching the game, and uh, after he made the fifth one, one of the two, and I can't remember which one, said, well, you got to figure that nobody is going to be brave enough to ask about the four misses that Maher had. And so, sure enough, we get in there and Ed Werger goes, well, Mike, what are your thoughts on Maher missing four or five extra points? And McCarthy was so happy they won in the ease in which they won, he just busted out laughing and he goes, Ed, I might have known you were going to be the one guy that was going to bring that up. And he laughed it off. He goes, look, you know, he made a 66-yard field goal for us this season. He made two others over 60 yards. He said, everybody has a bad day, and he had a bad day. So, no, there's no thought whatsoever into looking for anybody else. When you, you speak of the fact, you know, that McCarthy came in and, and was, you know, relaxed due to the, the size of the win, uh, li- listening to Troy Aikman last night, you know, they were asking him as the game was kind of being closed out, well, you know, th- this is the Cowboys. What do you think? And he said, well, the pressure mounts from here. So I want to ask you, because you were on last week and kind of talked about some of the expectations right now in Dallas. Uh, did that win last night help secure McCarthy's job moving forward? I think McCarthy has a secure position for at least one more season, even if they go out to San Fran and get beat. Now, you, you know, you look at it, on, at it on paper, and all season long, San Fran has looked like probably the most perfect team in the NFC in all three phases. However, when it was brought up last night, about the fact that they shouldn't have lost to San Fran at home last year when they had the number one seed, Dak was asked, hey, does this fire you guys up any for next week? And he said, it absolutely does. He said, we know what happened last year. There was no reason for us losing that game last year, and we feel like we got something to prove. And I was talking before the game started, to Tad Carter, the new Cowboys public relations director, who is a super nice guy and spent several years in Cleveland, including years when LeBron was in Cleveland and with the Cavaliers. And uh, I told him and uh, a couple of the other assistant PR guys, I said, all right, I'm going to make a brave prognosis.
communication here. And Tad is just a super guy. I just met him, you know, maybe three months ago. Super, super nice guy. And he said, all right, what do you got to say, Elwin? And I said, Tad, I predict we're going to win this game tonight and break the 30-year hex of not being able to win a road playoff game because the last road playoff game the Cowboys won was 
make a head coaching change. It looked to me like last night at times, Tampa's defense, and granted, the Cowboys' offense made them look bad, but it looked like Tampa's defense did not have a clue what to do, what was going on. And, and Tom Brady, that's the worst game I've ever seen Tom Brady play. It didn't look like their offense was anywhere close to on the same page. When, and when you've got offense and defense both that's not anywhere close to what they need to be doing, ultimately that comes back on the head coach. Right. Yeah, it, it just looked like Brady was completely out of sorts all night long, you know, just oh, yeah. the look on his face and the way he played. Yeah, yeah, and of course, everybody believes that was probably Tom Brady's last game in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. There are two or three, I'd say, prognoses about where he may go, but I think the best shot, is since Josh McDaniels, who was his offensive coordinator for six Super Bowl victories in New England, is the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And since the Raiders have parted ways with Derek Carr, he was not even in the building the last two weeks of the season. The smart belief is he's going to end up in Vegas playing for the Raiders. Hmm. However, he also loves Florida and, of course, has a home in Tampa. There is the belief out there that after three concussions in one season, that two attack of Aloha may decide, hey, this isn't worth it. I can't afford to end up with major mental problems because of all these concussions. And that even though the Dolphins say they're committed to him, that Tua may decide to hang it up and that Brady might go there. And then the other possibility that we've been hearing is that he might go to Tennessee. Hmm. With the Titans. Okay, that that's an interesting yeah. development. Yeah, uh, yeah and that one just came up in the last week or so. Okay. And, uh, wow, thanks for that bit of information because I that's uh, some, some new information. But I, I that's definitely going to be a fit because the, the biggest deal last night that I saw is that there is no run game in Tampa and there was no yeah. way to take some of the, the pressure off of Tom Brady at 45 years old. Yeah, no, there was not. And, of course, there again, there's a twofold, you know, that I'll say, and there's two sides to every coin. Part of that is McCarthy said, he said, we were playing lights out from when we got off the bus mm-hmm. on defense. And that was true. I mean, they, they made very, very, very few mistakes in the whole game, really. And you knew Brady was going to catch on fire at some point. But still, at 31 to 14, the game sounded closer in the final score than what it really was because it was a total Dallas domination for three-plus quarters. Well, right, and, and, and especially the, the most deceiving part was that, you know, there's only two sacks in the game, but they were in the backfield all night long. That was just a ferocious <laughs> defensive attack. Absolutely. Absolutely. They were blowing the offensive linemen of Tampa Bay two and three yards off the line of scrimmage on every play. Well, uh, we, we definitely appreciate your take on the Cowboys and your coverage, but I do want to end this uh, interview here with a quick Texans question. What is the sense about Sean Payton? Is he going to Houston? <laughs> I don't know what I think. Sean Payton, obviously, is an extremely intelligent coach. He knows how to play the game. And my prediction is Sean Payton 
I think we lost him, but uh, definitely appreciate him coming on. And uh, you there? Sorry about that. You got me back. Yes, we're back. Okay, where where did you lose me? Uh, the the smart money he's going to Denver. So if, if Sean Payton doesn't go to Houston, do you think that that affects their drafting of Bryce Young and whether or not Bryce Young would go and play in Houston? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that's who they want. Uh, you know, I, they haven't mentioned interviewing Josh McCown yet, but that's who they wanted last year. Again, I love Josh. Interviewed him a number of times. Was in the NFL 18 years and a fantastic backup quarterback. But Josh is not an NFL head coach. I'm sorry. And just like Saturday, Indianapolis has proven that he's not going to be an NFL head coach. You can't bring somebody in. And, of course, the, the theory by Ursa, well, it's like this. All of the coaches, and this is true, all of the coaches in the NFL, look at the analytics. That's what those Microsoft tablets are for, to figure the analytics. And he, NFL, to a certain degree, I would agree with that. But at the same time, you know, there's there's a little bit more to it than just analytics. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ellen, we appreciate having you on and uh, look forward to hearing from you uh, after the game uh, this next weekend. Uh, well, I will not be going to San Francisco. <laughs> not going to be I making that flight, huh? Well, no, I looked at it and it was going to be a 500 something dollar flight plus I know what hotel rooms go for in San Fran and I'm like, I'm going to have to watch that one at home. <laughs> Well, we'll uh, we'll probably send you on and reach out because we love we love uh, your information. Hey, you bet, man. Enjoyed it. Hope you guys have a great week and hope the rest of your shows this week go well. Thank you. Safe travels. You bet. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Wow, some a Tom Brady bombshell that we're gonna get to uh, a little bit later on in the show, but uh, we'll we'll break that interview down. Always enjoy having him on, though. Yeah. Um, it was uh something that he said during that uh during that call. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something I've been saying for the longest. Um. Oh, in regards to Diggs not playing his main. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I said that at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Is and that's I I think that's more of a mental mental thing with Diggs because you get the sense that he's trying to impress somebody. Yeah. It's not that he's playing for to you know to play his position, but he's playing to impress somebody or to prove something. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you get in your he's gotten in his way as to where he's not as productive because last night even all season. He's getting beat on these little curl routes, these comeback routes, 
mm-hmm. and these in routes. You know, these yeah. simple routes. He's getting beat because he's overthinking it. Because he's going after the ball rather than just play your man. And so that he was spot on with that with Diggs. And uh, he Diggs showed it last night. And that's one thing you can't allow to happen against San Francisco. Now, San Francisco is a run-heavy team before overall, but they will still pass it. You know, they'll still mm-hmm. throw it. So you can't play the ball. You have to play your man. And when when Diggs do, do that, he leaves his other guys out there just naked because, I mean, now they have to pick up for where you messed up, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that, you know, that intake, that was spot on. Um, but... Dallas, you know, their defense from the beginning, I mean, like I said, lights out. I mean, you forced forced them in to a uh, three and out. And you got the sense that at the beginning of the game, uh, that Tampa was going to do the same. It was gonna, mm, you got the yeah. sense that it was going to be, okay, this is going to be a defensive battle. Yes. Because, Back and forth, I mean, because it was yeah. one run after the other. Pump, yeah. pump, pump. Because for two, two uh, possessions each of the first two possessions of the game, for both teams, it was the same thing. With but, only one play that was for positive yardage. It yeah. Was a t- Tony Pollard run for three yards. <laughs> yeah. And you you got the sense that, oh, this is going to be a defensive battle. And after I don't know what adjustment Dallas made, but there were some interesting looks on their offensive side um, in formations, really, that I didn't know they had. You know, they didn't use all year. And it may yeah. be for a reason, uh, but it was either uh, it could be you could have got a run out of it, or you could have got a pass out of it. Yeah, a lot of RPO sets last night. Yeah, but the thing that that shocked me offensively, you come out, you, you know, you take the kickoff, you come out, and I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna pound and ground and take it to them and see what they're gonna do with the run, and we start, you know, the Cowboys start the game. With three passes. Yeah. You know, and, and at that point, I thought, oh, here we go. The Kellen Moore special. I, I, I think, yeah, I did too. Because I'm like, why would you start the game out with and, pass? And you, and you threw it. The, the the biggest thing I had, your first two passes were to the boundary. You're mm. already on the on the far hash. So, you, you know, everything's working to that side. Your, your secondary is going to push to go to the boundary to try and, you know, force a, a throw you know, a quick throw that, that may go out and carry, you know, the receiver out of bounds. So they're already working, you know, that leverage. Yeah. And so you didn't have that on the table on that side of the field. And so that was just kind of what shocked me. But then it felt like, you know, they kind of got their feet up uh, under them and Tom Brady just could not get it together. Now I'm yeah. going to talk about that a little bit later on because I have some other uh, news on Tom Brady Good to hear that, you know, for the most part, Cowboys aren't too concerned about the injuries. Although you do hope that, you know, if you're Dallas, you've got to have Micah Parsons going into this game yeah. against the 49ers. Well, it's good that they're going to evaluate him today, today because, you know, mm. uh, he did come back in the game. He did end up playing the rest of the game, a very uh, fair amount the rest yeah. of the game. Uh, so you get the sense of, like, you know, it's, you know, he's okay. But you still want to evaluate that because he was – uh, limping and uh, very heavily uh, going into halftime. Um, but uh, according to, other than that, uh, with J-Ron Curse, uh, he said, you know, he's fine. He should be good to go. That was just, a, you, you went back and watched that replay. That was just a matter of how he landed, and it just didn't look good. Yeah. 
Well, and that's that, that's the thing with uh, the NFL, you know, or football in general. You know, players, a lot of players are playing injured to some to some extent. Uh, just about the, how how serious it is, and so that's the thing with football is that you're going to fall weird, you're going to get hit in a certain spot that you're going to be limping. Yeah. And so I think when we see that, we shouldn't automatically think, oh, uh uh-oh. You know, it's football. You're going to, something's going to happen to where you're going to be limping for a minute. You can, and then you just easily, okay, just walk this off. But here's something I want to talk about uh, just here quickly. I just kind of want to interject. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is, and I hope he gets it together next week, but you can tell that, you know, he's obviously on a decline. He wasn't able, uh, to do as much in that game last night, uh, in the run game at, you know, but he was good in the pass block. Um, that's obviously an advantage he has over, uh, Tony Pollard is he's good in the black, in the pass block, but caught a couple passes in the seam route. Yeah, uh, you know, but but nothing fancy or special. No. He has become a downhill between the tackles guy, two maybe three yards in a cloud of dust. He's not the explosive running back no. that he was when he came. But that goes back to what I say. And, and here's the thing with Tony Pollard: Do you give him a second contract? You did that to Zeke, and we see how you know the back end of that's going to yeah. turn out. Well, the, and I think that's where you're at in the NFL. The thing is, you're gonna okay. Do you go through a cycle of Dumping running back at year after year after year, or after their contracts are up, because I mean you look at it. No matter who you get, you you're going to continue. They're going to have issues. The problem that happened with Zeke is if you watch how Zeke was being tackled in the in the beginning of his career, his knee was being stretched and ankles were being stretched every every which way. And eventually that began to wear on him. And so instead of them fixing it then and resting him um, resting him like they should have, now he has to play with the brace. And it has affected his game, even his speed, significant, significantly. With, with Tony Pollard, if the Cowboys do it the correct way, if they handle him the correct way, he will be fine. They didn't handle Zeke for the type of running back he is the correct way because they let that go on until it got bad and then decided, okay, we got to put a brace on this. But you should have rested him when you saw that, when you saw it getting bad. You should have rested him. And it's not like you were hurting for a running back. You had a running, you had Tony Pollard. Give him a chance. And you had other backs, you know. Mm-hmm. They should have rested Zeke when they should have. And now it's seeing in his game. And – my question is, how long before you... I mean, because he's still on the contract. But how long before he, you know, says, okay, I can't, you know... Because his knee won't re- allow him to do the things that he needs to do on the field. He doesn't have an explosiveness to him. No, because that uh, was a that was a, a play, a, a specific play last night where, you know, they had uh, McEwenin and uh, 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 Tyler... Uh, what is it? McGovern. Yeah, Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern. I almost, I almost said Tyler, uh, Tyler McGovern, but I'm thinking Tyler Biotish. But anyways, they had Connor McGovern in, in the backfield you know, for extra blocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they got their blocks. 
but Zeke bounced around in the backfield instead mm-hmm. of just hitting the hole. It's a lead play, and he didn't take the lead. Yeah, no. And so you look at plays like that. Okay, why is he doing that? And it's like he can't. He not. He can't take off like he he used to. Um. And so you know you like I said you hate to see it with Zeke, but hopefully next next week uh, or this week rather they get it you know going. He you know he gets it going um, because they're going to need him just as much as they're going to need Tony Pollard now. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the rookie, uh, top uh, Malik Davis, you know, get some playing time, uh, to kind of give you know. I know Tony and Zeke are your lead guys, but you want a different look, you know. Yeah. Get him some playing time, because it looks like you know if if Zeke isn't able to go, or if you're not gonna resign uh, uh, Pollard, it looks like he's gonna be the next guy up. So you got to get him going. Well, I uh, think so. Like I said, I you know, if I'm the Cowboys, that's a serious conversation because do you want to? Because you get the sense in the NFL that we're at the point now where everybody thinks, okay, well, we'll just go draft another one. Like when this contract's up, we're just going to go draft another running back. It's not like a quarterback where you feel like yeah. we've got our guy, we've got to keep him. And, and I think a large part of that is you tallying up how many carries those great running backs have in college, in high school, all the way up. Every football player has so many plays in him. Nobody knows what that is, but every one of them has so many plays in him. And unfortunately for these running backs, because they're so good, they become the the one that a team relies on, that they're going to run, especially those downhill runners like Zeke, you know, where you're running straight downhill between the tackles, punishing, you know, defensive players. But they only have so many of those in them. Right. So if I'm an NFL team, you know, I'm cautious about giving – that guy, a second contract. Now, where it's a little bit different, in my opinion, with Pollard, is that Pollard's more of your space guy. He's going to run around the end. He's going to get out in space and make things happen. He's not as downhill between the tackles trying to punish the defense. Yeah. You know, as Zeke is. So I think that would warrant a conversation. But I am interested to see uh, how that goes. I, I did want to give just a real quick update. The last update on uh, wide receiver Russell Gage for Tampa Bay, who was carted off the field last night, uh, is that he did suffer a concussion. He was going to be evaluated for neck uh, injuries, but he was moving his legs and fingers. So that's a a good report on that. That was per uh, Todd Bowles. Uh, Let's see. One one more quick takeaway uh, from the game side of things, and that is that Tampa Bay... Uh, did not at all look like the team that dominated Kansas City back in 2020. No. And, and didn't even look like the team that they did last year, you know, that had a chance uh, in the playoffs and, you know, just kind of fell short there. But it did not look at all like a team that, that was ready to go compete for a, a Super Bowl. I mean, no. just not they, at all. Well, and that's rel- with relatively the same players that they had on yes. that team you know defensively and offensively uh give and take a few changes but I had to agree with Ellen that was the worst game I've seen Tom Brady play ever in his career and I get the sense that you know that was possibly and this is why I said earlier that I don't see Tom Brady going anywhere else and here's why it's because it's not that he can't play, but you don't have. It's the fact that def, the the Dallas defense was in the backfield, 
70% of the time. And you go to Vegas, they don't have a good offensive line. You go to Miami, they don't have a good offensive line. So what's going to happen when it's the same thing all over again? And that's that's why I say it's, it, it'd be best for Tom to retire because it's not like you have a choice of teams that you're going to that have offensive line that's going to protect you. It's not the matter or the fact that he can't play. He can play. Tom Brady is very, you know, he can still play. But, but he has he lost can't. a step. Yeah, he, well, that, you can that tell too. that he doesn't have quite the arm strength that he's had in the past. Well, he didn't. Uh, he's not seeing the field quite as that, well. But either. and he's not. Last night, he didn't play with any kind of confidence. No, not at all. Like, you, in the past, we thought Tom Brady's got the football. He's going to go down yeah, and score, and it didn't feel that way at no any confidence. point. But uh, in the game no. last night. And it was just written all over his face. I mean... Yeah, that he didn't want to be there. He looked tired. And yeah. I, it looked like he was... I mean, I'm getting exhausted just talking about it. Thinking, yeah. and re- thinking about it. And he looked exhausted out there. Like, they weren't winning. They were down, what, 31 to 6. They It wasn't even looking like they were going to come back. He just looked exhausted out there. Mm-hmm. And... You you hate to see that for a quarterback, a guy that's considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of in, all in a, of all time yeah. in this situation. So he should have went out on top when he won after they won that Super Bowl. He should have just went out and said, "That's it," you yeah. know. And and I'll I'll talk more about time here in a little bit. The last thing that I wanted to kind of wrap up this this segment of the show with uh, is that there does seem now to be a sense that. You know, Mike McCarthy is going to stay. Uh, that that the pressure, you know, because the pressure was you got to beat San Francisco. Now there seems to be a little bit less pressure on that side of it, and I think a lot of that has to do with the Sean Payton market and the way that's going. Yeah. Uh, but that hey, Mike McCarthy was all smiles last night. Seemed to be taking it easy there on the sideline. Uh, you know, one of the big big takeaways for me last night is it's uh, fourth and four. You know, and uh, they're on. The Tampa end of the field, and there was some question: Do you kick it? Do you go for it, or whatever? And they pan over, and he just taps uh, uh, Kellen Moore on the rear and says, "Okay, big boy, run your best play." And of course, you know, resulted in a touchdown. Uh, but you know, I, there was just a sense with him last night that, "Hey, we're just enjoying the ride. We're not, yeah, you know, uh, taking things to choose. Well, we just want to go out and win football." Well, games. you, it's like you know they they uh, what he did. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago. He showed him the number of players that was born because it was you know the Cowboys haven't won a road game playoff game in thirty years. Cowboys haven't won a road game uh, playoff game in thirty years. So you know he showed the players how many of them were born in ninety two mm-hmm. when that happened, and it was only ten of them. Yeah, and he ba- and he told them their history is their history, and that's one thing we've always done as Cowboys fans is we compared the Cowboys. The recent Cowboys teams to the to Cowboys team in the past, yeah, and that gave us. And I'm I'm glad Mike McCarthy did that. He had the guts to stand up and say that was then. This is now. You make and you charter your own path and your own history. You make your own history, and you're not reliving. You're not living in the past. We're not living in the past. We're not trying to do what the. Uh, 93, 94, 95, 96 Cowboys did. We're not trying to be those guys. Mm-hmm. We we are the Cowboys of today. Yeah, we're our own team. And so 
last night, that team played with so much confidence, so much flow, um, finesse. And when that happened, and you could tell they were just having fun. And they were dominating. Like I said, nobody, not even myself, you know, nobody, nobody saw that game going the way it did. Uh, Not even the people, not even the ones, you know, uh, the predictions. The game was a lot closer. Vegas had that as a toss-up game, really, minus two and a half. Uh, You know, that that could have gone either way, but they they came out and dominated. With with Mike McCarthy, you know, I, I think, in my mind, I think Jerry had to retract uh, and rethink because the first statement he made about well it's either the AFC championship or else yeah yeah you know, and so uh I think him doing but see that's the thing about Jerry is he goes out and he says these things publicly when he catches backfire then he has to retract and so that's what happened I I, I really think he meant what he said but because it got backfire and it got back to Sean Payton. He had to retract. He had to rethink his thoughts. He had to rethink the situation. Is it really fair to this man if I tell him uh, a, uh, in a, uh, the championship or or else? Well, and I think the other thing, and I'll get to this in a little bit, that interview with Sean Payton on Colin Cowherd yesterday, I think changed a lot of things for Dallas. Yeah. Uh, just because of some comments that were made. And I'll get to that in a minute. Another coach, though... Uh, that is suddenly staying put, and we've talked about this uh, for well over a week now, is Jim Harbaugh and their uh, president, university president, uh, let's see here, uh, Santa Ono tweeted this out. He said, I just got off the phone, this was last night, with Coach Harbaugh, and Jim shared with me the great news that he is going to remain as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. That is fantastic news that I have communicated to our athletic director, Ward Manuel. So suddenly, for whatever reason, he has decided I'm not going there, and this is immediately following an interview with Denver. You know the possibility that that he was going to be interviewing with Indianapolis. We never really mm-hmm. heard any feedback. The last report was that he was the number two choice in Denver, and now it's coming out that despite what had previously you know kind of been put out by the uh, Michigan uh, University. They are now in contract extension talks with Jim Harbaugh. He's going to get another uh, payday out of this. He's not only going to make more money in the contract, they're going to enlarge the buyout that would have to be paid for him to go elsewhere. I'd still go back to what is this about for Jim Harbaugh? Uh, You know, it was this about the money, which apparently now it kind of seems that it was. What was it about Denver? That's my other question. He was, as of yesterday... I mean, as of yesterday morning, Jim Arbaugh was the number two guy in Denver. That, you know, if Sean Payton decided to go somewhere else, it was going to be Jim Harbaugh, and then, and, and we'll talk about the other candidates here in a minute, but it was going to be Jim Harbaugh. What was it about the Denver interview that made him go, I don't want that job? That I want to go back to the NFL, but I don't want that job. And the other thing that, that is curious to me is that he's not even going to go interview with any of the other teams that had previously put interest out there. That it's not just a, hey, I, I'm not interested in the Denver job, but now he's so, indicating, I'm done. I'm not going to interview. So, hearing Elwin talk about, you know, uh, John Elway over there in Denver and how bad of a GM he is, I'm starting to believe that most of these opportunities is not because of the... um. 
the, gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's not because of the team. It's not because of the identity of the team. It's not because anything is wrong with the team itself. I really think it's about what's going on in the front office, how they're so unstable. You look at the Colts, that that owner is unstable, it was, especially with want to give Jeff Saturday another shot. I mean, that... You but that's to, looking less and less like that's yeah, going to happen. But there's something seriously wrong there for you to even have to consider. Well, and Jim Irsay, you know, had, had been in the middle of the whole uh, Daniel Snyder situation right in his mouth. I mean, that, that yeah. is an unstable organization. But the other part of this that I think, just yesterday, Sean McVay uh, came out and said, I'm going to stay. So yeah. he's staying in L.A. He's going to come back for at least another season. And it's curious to me that now all of a sudden Jim Harbaugh's Pulling out, I, I, you know, I got because I brought this up uh, last week. Does he want to go back to the West Coast? Is that you know? Well, does he I told have that you, allure? I told you that in the beginning. I said, I told, I said, what if he goes back? He wants to finish what he started in the West Coast. He's not going to go back to San Fran. So you get another team on the yeah. West Coast, and it just seems that with his style of play, you with Baker Mayfield. And that offense that the Rams have is not a Rams aren't a bad team. They're, no, they still have an elite defense yeah. at times. Although that may be changing some because Jalen Jalen yeah Jalen Ramsey is wanting out after one bad season, uh, which is childish. But anyways, or putting it out there that he could be leaving. Yeah, which, yeah, which well, and we're not really sure about the reasons. I want to talk about it in a second. But yeah. but still, staying on the Jim Harbaugh and Sean McVay thing, what I, I still go back but, to. What is this about for Jim Harbaugh? Does he want to go back to the NFL? Or is this, you know, it really is becoming a, a deal every year where it looks like he's using this as leverage because he knows that Michigan's going to do whatever it takes to, to keep, keep him yeah. in Michigan. Po- and, and possibly, hey, if it is, then okay. I mean, that's his prerogative. But I I, I look at it as if um, it's a bigger stage. It's a bigger stage, bigger pay. Uh a greater opportunity because you you look at it and a college national championship that's great, but to win a Super Bowl, that's something else. Yes, yeah. that's that's up there. That's memorable. You know, you you have signed and stepped your your uh, card for a Hall of Fame career, mm-hmm. and so that's on a different level. People will always remember who won a Super Bowl win. They won't always remember a national championship. For a, min- a minute, they will. But Super Bowl is memorable. You know, it stamps your card. It, it you know it puts you puts you in place for a great career and a Hall of Fame career. But I I think Sean McVay making this the the decision to stay is uh not based on him. I think it's based on more so the team. And then, you know, he, he also said, you know, he's going to stay regarding maybe some coaching change, uh, coaching changes uh, being made. Now, whether that's, you know, they're going to be seeking to get different coordinators or whatever. Well, that's the other side. He had already told his coordinators, you can go interview for other jobs. His D.C.'s up for a couple of different head coaching yeah. jobs. I mean, so, I mean, that, that was the other interesting thing. But I go to Sean McVay, too. That he's got. This is the second year in a row where you've gone into an offseason. Is he or is he not? 
and there's still some questions about burnout. And he said, you know, I had to reassess whether I still want to do this job. Yeah. I feel like I do, but for how long? Like, at what point with these coaches are we going to say, okay, you're either in or you're out because we need to make a plan well, you, for you, our organization. You look at these the older coaches. There's a lot of young coaches now. In, in, yeah. Uh, uh, Mike McDaniel, um, him, Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. And then you go over there. Um, then you go over to... Uh, the uh, Minnesota's coach. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of young coaches. Kevin McConnell. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you kind of ask the question, okay, are they for real? Like, are they serious? Are they really thinking long term with this? And with McVeigh, you know, you, you get that sense, you know, because he had all those other opportunities. There's you know? things outside of being the head football coach yeah. that he could do. But if you look at back then, uh, and I'm not even when I say back then, I'm, I'm talking maybe 20, 10 to twenty years ago, uh, early two thousands up to this point. You you look at all the the older coaches. You know they didn't have those other opportunities until they left. You know it wasn't like those opportunities were were necessarily flying in like it is now. And so they were in it to coach. They wanted to coach. They loved the game. They loved coaching, coaching the game, and it showed. Because look at Andy Reid. Andy Reid is still out there coaching. You know, a team that uh, uh, a top seed team. You know, mm-hmm. he he he's been in the Super Bowl uh, run for in the last five years. Three out of what? Three out of the five. Yeah, he's been in the Super Bowl or or in the AFC Championship. He he's a lifer. Like he he just enjoys coaching football. It's, but you don't have. But you're seeing less and less uh, coaches like that, especially with the young guys coming in, because these other opportunities will always arise. You know, like McVay had a freaking modeling deal or whatever. Like, yeah. What what a head coach with a modeling modeling deal in the NFL? Yeah. There's things outside of football. Now that that are being offered, and I think a lot of it is that there's so much TV money out there because it, it goes back to Tom Brady. At some point, he's got a three, over three hundred million dollar deal with Fox, yeah. you know, for a TV deal. And so I think that we're going to see, like you say, more and more of these coaches kind of dip their toe in other things. Uh, a, a, a job that that we've talked about here and is still open is uh, Denver. You know, now they're down to two candidates, their top two candidates, with Jim Harwell being out, and it's going to be Sean Payton and Dan Quinn. I'm reaching out uh, right now in regards to Dan Quinn to, to see kind of what the sense is about yeah. that. But, uh, you know, if, if you're Denver, I, I think you've got to go with Jim Harbaugh saying, I'm out, right? You've got to go all in on Sean Payton, whatever it's going to take for him to come there. Now, you know, Seems like that the the feeling in the league is that it's going to come down to whoever pays the most money. That that's what Sean Payton's kind of looking at, and who's able to compensate, of course, uh, New Orleans for all of this. But I think that his conversation yesterday, Sean Payton was on Colin Cowherd, and you know he had said previous that and he reiterated again that he did not view the Chargers job or the Cowboys job as potential landing spots because they were jobs that had, were filled, and he wasn't going to talk about that. But he named the teams they requested and, you know, that he had set up interviews. He had, you know, a total of three uh, this week. And so there's definitely an interest for him. He wants to coach in the NFL. Uh, but I think that teams are looking at that and realizing he's looking at who's going to win me a, a championship fairly quickly. 
you know, that, that he's wanting to go somewhere and win pretty quick. And, you know, in a way it's shocking to me about the Texans job. That, they're, that, that that's more of a, I'm going to interview for that job, but that's not the top of my list, uh, top of job. And, and, and here's why. I really thought that you get Bryce Young in there, that's not a bad defense. You know, yeah, you're going to have to, to do some things on the other side of the football and, and kind of develop a better running game and, and do a couple of other tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, here's a chance for him to coach Bryce Young. So if I'm the Texans and Sean Payton's out, where do you shift? Because you've got to get a guy now. You don't want Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence again. You've got to get a guy who can develop Bryce Young. Because, you know, we had talked about this, that, you know, that you already had players telling you, you don't want to go to Houston. You don't want to go to Houston. Now what? I mean... This is a, a really interesting development to me because it, it was kind of, in my mind, once it you know was put out there that he was going to interview with the Texans, to me it was a foregone conclusion that, hey, if he doesn't go to Dallas, he's going to Houston, and he's going to go coach Bryce Young. Yeah, and on top of that, with them being, with you know people saying, don't go to Houston, don't go to Houston, is you, get, you have to wonder if, you know, what does Bryce Young see? You know, or what what is he looking forward to going into the NFL? Is he looking forward to, you know, of course everybody wants a coach that's going to help them develop as a, you know, into the NFL and you know, make that transition smooth. But at the same time, you're not everybody's going to get that. So are you looking for is Bryce Young looking for that or is he looking to go somewhere to where there's a lot of potential? And Houston has a lot of potential. And I'm not saying if they don't get Sean Payton that he, you know, he won't be successful. I think he'll still be successful. But I think to accommodate that, if they don't get Sean Payton, then they have to get somebody in there who's going to help mold him and make that transition smooth into the NFL. Because well, if you don't, then it was pointless to get rid of Lovey Smith. Because yeah. it, you felt like you got rid of Lovey Smith to bring in an offensive-minded guy because you knew we're going to go get Bryce Young. Right. And it also felt like they knew that they were making that move knowing that even though we don't have the number one pick, Chicago's either going to pass on him or they're going to trade down, and we're going to get Bryce Young. Like, it, it, everything surrounding what the Texans have done up to this point leads you to believe that they know they're getting Bryce Young one way or another, either trading up to that one spot or just the fact that Chicago's really not interested. They're going to hold on to the one pick, but they're not drafting Bryce Young, which is kind of a, an unbelievable thought to me, you know, that, that you would hold on to the one pick and not draft Bryce Young. Uh, but but th- there seems to be a, a feeling that Houston knows one way or the other we're getting him, and so... If you don't do something on the coaching front to accommodate that move, none of it makes sense to me. Yeah. And, but giving him the job, you know, as much as I like Levy Smith, you fired David Culley, and he was David Culley's defensive coordinator. David Culley was a defensive coordinator prior to that. It was like replacing one with the other. Now, I, I you know, I know that we were told a couple weeks ago that. You know, basically the NFL told them to make that move. But at the same time, the Texans have got to figure out what they want to do well, as an organization. Yeah, and that that's another thing. The Texans are another one of those teams 
whose um, front office is, is they're in shambles, and it's not like they have anything to lean on over there in Texas, and, and you know over there in Houston, they don't they don't have anything like okay we can we can trust we can lean on so and so or such and such to no they don't have anything so that that the GM whoever who over there they're gonna have to and the owner gonna have to get together and really look at that team from coaches to players and say, okay, what do we need? Not what we want, but what do we need? Mm-hmm. And you need Bryce Young. You need and you're if you're gonna get Bryce Young, you're going to have to get a coach who can shape him and mold him into all that he can be. Because if you don't, then you're gonna potentially waste his career. And that's the last thing that anybody in the football world or anywhere that wants to see because he's such a good quarterback. And Well, he's it, not used to losing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's lost a few, but he's not used to being yeah, a bad and, football Yeah, player. and so that's the reality of the. I mean, getting into that. I mean, getting into the NFL with some of these quarterbacks. Look at Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't used to losing that much when he first came yeah. in last year. He, he lost more games his first year than he did his entire career previously. Yeah, and so... Kyler Murray was the same way. Yeah. Uh, another player was uh, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, yeah. I remember when Dallas lost his rookie year when he first played uh, his rookie year at Dallas and they lost their first game. It was said that that was the first game that he's ever lost or in his career, you know, yeah. football career. And so it's crazy to think that, and but it, it happens. But when you get these top-end guys, they're top-end for a reason. Yeah. And the majority of the time is that they're coming from colleges that don't lose. Yeah. And, you know, and so that's the adjustment, and that's the thing that you're going to have to watch with Bryce Young is how is he going to react? Because you're not suddenly going to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. You're not going to go undefeated, well, but you can be a better football team. But how is he going to react to losing? Yeah. And do you have a coach that can keep him confident. Yeah. There, that he doesn't start to digress, which is what we started seeing with Trevor Lawrence last year, was a digression. Because for whatever reason, right, wrong, or indifferent, there was a disconnect between him and Urban Meyer. That, yeah. that he, he didn't like the direction that the team was going. And you can't... And, and here's the thing with these organizations that get these once-in-a-lifetime picks. Now, we, you know, th- there's no crystal ball. You can't guarantee that Bryce Young's going to be, you know, the second coming of Peyton Manning or... Patrick Mahomes or anybody like that. But you watch him on film. We've seen it, you know, year in and year out. He looks like a special talent. By all accounts, he is a special talent, bar none. You know, nobody's going to disagree with that. You, If you're one of these organizations, you know, not only this year, but next year and the year after, where, and you have a chance to draft one of those once-in-a-lifetime talents, you better make sure that your franchise is in a position to have somebody like right. that. Right. That you can you can mold them you and ha- shape them. Yes, you have to prepare for. Anything like that, you have to prepare for. And and here's another uh, suggestion is if you can't, if the head coach, whoever you get, if he may not be able to do the job, hopefully he will, get him a quarterback coach who can still shape and mold him. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about that. Everybody, you know, they put all the pressure on the head coach, but there's also quarterback coaches in the NFL that help shape these quarterbacks. So if you if if the if the head coach can't quite get him there, get him a quarterback coach who can, you know, build his confidence, his game, help him game plan, 
what to look for, what to avoid, and all this stuff if the head coach can't quite get the job done. And so, and that's something that Houston could possibly possibly be looking at as well. But like I said, Houston as of right now has nothing or nobody to lean on, uh, to, to fall back on. They don't have a fallback plan. And so they got to do the best they can right now. Like mm-hmm. this is the it moment for them in this draft and uh, this hiring process. This is the it moment. They don't have anything else. They're at their wit's end. As an organization, the franchise, they're at their wit's end. They yeah, don't you have can't blow else. this because yeah. if you blow this, you're not getting a second chance. No, this is this is the it. This is the it moment for them. And so you would hope and wish for uh, – I would love to see Sean Payton in Houston. I'm just – and I'm a Cowboys fan, but it just seems right. It seems like it's the fit place for him. But if Houston can't get a deal done uh, that could land him that job, you don't have anybody else. I yeah, mean, you, I mean, you look at the other coaches, you know, assistants, offensive coordinators that have interviewed or been requested for that job, and I go back to: Do any of those guys look like a guy that you say I want him shepherding? My number one pick, you know, my, my yeah. top end pick, and, and, uh, and the number one quarterback in the country. Yeah, Sean Payton was the only, is the only one really, uh, because and kind of to go back to this for a minute is you know it was mentioned last night during the game is that you know uh, one of the commentators, I think it may have been Troy Aikman or uh, Joe Buck. It was one of them. Well, yeah, there was only two. Yeah, but it was, it was one, one of the two. two. Come on, it was one of them. But they said that, you know, you want to make this, they want, the, the Cowboys want to make this a lasting, you know, worthwhile thing for Dan Quinn. Because you never know, he, you know, he could be on to another job next season. You just, I mean, so with that being said, all these de- defensive-minded uh, coaches, these defensive coordinators who's up for these jobs, you know, you have to get a sense that the next guy that I would see fit for that job would be Dan Quinn, if indeed he doesn't go to uh, Denver. Denver. But Houston has to reach out to him. I don't know if Houston has reached out or reached out to him or they, requested. They have, they have not requested as of yet. And and for me, I'll, I'm asking the question: Why not? Because I think it goes back to: Are they really going to go to another defensive coach? But okay, I understand that. But he is a well, Lovey Smith Smith was too. So I mean, but he's the next best guy in the conversation right now, in the sense that he's the other guy with head coaching experience, and, and that's the other thing. I think this coaching cycle. Now you've got Brian Flores, who was requested by Arizona, but outside of those three, Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, and Brian Flores, none of the other you know kind of candidates that are keep being mentioned here. Our former head coaches, Frank Reich, I think he's going to get an interview uh, with one of the organizations that wasn't the Texans. Frank Reich, if I'm the Texans, he's the other guy. Because, I mean, he can develop quarterbacks uh, and has done a good job throughout his career. He's the other one that I'm talking to, you know, if I'm the Houston Texans. But, you know, I, I think that's the other trend that we're seeing. You know, for years, it, those those head coaching jobs were retread jobs. Yeah. That, you know, you just kind of cycled through head coaches that have been other places and you brought them in and you gave them a, a, a head coaching job again and gave them another chance. But we're seeing more and more of these organizations, you know, dipping their toe in the waters of, we're going to bring in a, a coordinator, you know, and, and give them a chance. 
you know, to, to have a, a head coaching interview and a head coaching job. And so you're seeing fewer of the old names, you know, being cycled, you know, year in and year out. You're not you're not hearing talks of, you know, Bill Cower suddenly coming out of retirement anymore. You're not hearing talks of, you know, uh, hey, Ten years ago, there was talk about would Jimmy Johnson want to coach in the NFL? You know, you're not hearing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like Bill Parcells for years. It didn't matter how long he'd been out of the game. There was always that rumor that hey, he might come back. Uh, you know, to, to this place or that place because these these jobs went to retreads. You know, guys yeah. who had had their chance, and you're seeing less and less of that. And I think that that's interesting because of the direction that some of these franchises are trying to go especially when you're one of these franchises that gets to draft these, you know, once-in-a-generation type of talents. But back to Brian Flores, he did get uh, requested by the Arizona Cardinals. He's also been requested by the Cleveland Browns uh, to interview for their uh, defensive coordinator position. But who would have thought at this point last year that Brian Flores would get the opportunity to interview for an NFL head coaching job? I didn't think there was any way after he sued the NFL... And he came out and said what he did about the Miami Dolphins. He blew up the deal that would have brought Sean Payton and Tom Brady to Miami. I thought there's no way. He's going to get blackballed. You know, Mike Tomlin's doing him a favor bringing him in, you know, as an assistant coach. But I didn't think that there was any chance whatsoever that he would get another interview. Like, I I thought that, you know, you don't sue the NFL. You don't sue people like that and get a chance. But he has. I think what happened was... (laughs) It's better to give him a chance than blackball him. And here's why. is It's a bad PR move. And as we know, the NFL is all about personal relations. I agree, but how is that any or worse? Or public relations, rather. But, yeah, public re- But, okay, how is that any worse than what you did to John Gruden? John Gruden decided not to come back. Well, John Gruden can't. I mean, like, he's not yeah. getting interviewed. Because, okay, that was somebody from the inside. That's Somebody true. took John Gruden down from and the I, inside. Well, I think the other thing is that there were emails you know, that got publicized yeah. with John Gruden. But I, I still think that if you're going to give Brian Flores a chance, which I think he should, I think you that, that some team should be willing, the NFL should be willing to give John Gruden another chance that just because you went against uh, the yeah, grain. I, I, I do too. But like I said, somebody from the NFL, John Gruden was taken down from the inside. Brian Flores went to the inside. So that's the deal is when you get taken down from the inside, somebody on the, on the inside, you it's harder to, to come back from that because now you have to clean a lot and save space. You have to clean up a lot on the inside before you can make that happen. But Brian Flores, rather being on the outside and looking in and saying, you know what, something's wrong and I'm going to address it. Now that's a PR move because – you're going to get... But nobody's going to... change. That was the other thing okay. to me. They didn't change anything, and now... And, and here's Obviously, think, they did, because... You they had haven't to love changed you, the rules. But no, not the rules, but you had to... You had the Lovey Smith uh, situation. You know, the NFL basically told Houston they had to make that deal happen. Oh, yeah, it changed that, but I'm saying, you know, his big push was, I want to change to the Rooney rule. That way, we can make sure that my... You know, interviews for, for people of... You know, color are uh, legitimate interviews. You know that you're not just getting, you're not just interviewing me to satisfy the Rooney Rule, but you've already but, got your yeah. candidate. But that hasn't changed. So that was my question for him: is 
you know, your your big move was you wanted change in the NFL. Okay, but hold on. But has it though? No, there's been no change to the really? rule. Really? So why is he okay? It may not have been changed to the rule because because this is the thing. You can't change you can't make a rule that. He's asking for it to be a legitimate. You can't do that. That's personal. Well, he was basically wanting to an extent the Rooney rule abolished. Because he said, listen, all you're doing is putting us in a position where they're forced to interview us even though they don't want to. Yeah. And therefore, our interviews are not legitimate. The be- and, and the best thing to do is to ignore it, rather, and go on about it. But it seems that the, the, uh, the uh, Cardinals have done it, you know. Well, I think the Cardinals are just intrigued by you know because they they look at him and go he he deserves another chance. Yeah, and, and you know he is going to bring it. Here's the other thing: they're going to go in the completely different direction. You went from a guy who could care less if his team played any defense whatsoever because he thought he was going to outscore everybody, to now you're looking at a defensive-minded head football coach. You know that's going to change your philosophy. Now, how that meshes with Kyler Murray is interesting to me. That you went in a completely opposite direction, but you kept that same quarterback, and it, and, and you get the sense that they are going to kind of force the issue here with Kyler. That yes, we gave you that contract. Yes, we rescinded the the clause concerning you know the study of film, but we're going to make you work with a guy that's going to push you, and he's going to force you to to be competitive. And we're going to kind of change our style of football. It's not going to be just this wide open, you know, throw the ball down the field kind of offense that you're going to have to conform to a more structured Structure, yeah. offense that he's because you get you know even though he's a defensive back guy you you know he's going to bring in a coordinator that's going to kind of tone down yeah that because those guys want to you know control the well, clock eat up up the field and, yeah. and dominate well, it's it's like I said about Patrick Mahomes when they had to dial down their the Chiefs had to dial down their uh their offense. Mm-hmm. You know, from the upbeat, fast tempo to now this steady-paced offense is Patrick Mahomes now had to learn how to become an actual quarterback. He had to learn how to read defenses. He had to learn how to be patient. He had to learn how to pace uh, pace uh, the offense and drive slowly sometimes. Control get, the clock. Yeah, control the clock and get down the field uh, at a pace. And so it's gonna be it's it's gonna have to be the same for Kyler Murray if that's the if they do indeed hire uh, Ryan Flores and he brings, or some other defensive uh, the, coach, yeah, or, yeah you're gonna have to learn how to be an actual quarterback and that's why I say all this fancy stuff with these type of quarterbacks even with Kyler Murray um, I mean Patrick Mahomes it came to an end you know it only lasts for so long until the moment hits you hits you. Okay, I'm gonna have to be an actual quarterback. I'm gonna have to start uh, doing those uh, check down passes. You know, yeah, because they start playing more quarters defenses with you. They're gonna stretch the field. They're gonna cover your deep route, right? And that forces you to to make your decisions, right? So you and, and so what helps what helped with the with the Chiefs is that they had uh, Travis Kelsey, yeah, you know, who's an I mean elite tight end. You know that 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 Mahomes could check down to, um, and so maybe that's what Kyler Murray needs. You know that ex, that defensive minded coach that's going to push him. Hey, listen, man, you're gonna have to study. Like you at this point, he doesn't have a choice. 
Yeah, we're going to play defense. We're going to control the clock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you've got to do this yeah. for the betterment of the he, organization. He, he doesn't have a choice. You know, it, it's not so, so much forcing him, but it's like saying, okay, if you don't, then we can get somebody else. You know? Um, you, <laughs> and I know Kyler Murray can do it because Kyler Murray is a good quarterback given his uh, resume from high school to college. He's capable of doing that. But all it takes is just somebody just to push him. And I think really it's just, he has to realize this is a business. This is a elite business, a top business. And, you know, we can't afford to, you know, fall off the, you know, fall off the charts because you failed to do your job. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, I I hope he get I hope Brian Flores gets the opportunity to become a head coach. You know, at the Cardinals will be a good, will be an interesting fit for him. Um, instead of going back to being a defensive coordinator, I think he'll choose that over that. Yeah, if he gets off of the because, job, yeah, because think. if he wanted to be if he wanted to be a defensive coordinator, he'd stay in Pittsburgh. You know, whatever he was doing in Pittsburgh. Uh, if he just wanted to be an assistant, yeah. So, I mean, that, that'll be interesting. But the other side of that uh, Arizona job is the man who's not there, and that's Cliff Kingsbury. And it was assumed that, hey, he's going to be an offensive coordinator either in the NFL or maybe at the college level. But it was reported by Peter King that he bought a one-way ticket to Taiwan, and he's not planning on being back anytime soon. I think that man went on a spiritual trip. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he's getting paid. You know, they got to pay out the rest yeah. of his contract. He may be content no one, to not coach football. Listen, no one goes to listen. It's either no, it's either Africa or Asia, and no one goes there just for anything. That man is probably on a spiritual trip and trying to find him, refine himself, and probably re, uh, re, um, what, what they call it? reevaluate and reconstruct himself. Yeah, <laughs> no one goes to places like that. Oh, I just want to go there. He took a one-way flight. That means he ain't looking at coming back anytime soon. No. You know? And, and he's, he's told people, I'm not interested. Don't yeah. call me. He, We're not even having a conversation. And listen, I don't fall. Matter of fact, I would like to dig a little bit more into that to see, you know, what's going on. Because I'm interested now. I'm in, almost invested, you know, in, in his journey. You know, what is he? what is he doing? Why did he choose to go... To Asia, of all places, you know? And then say, I don't want to even interview for other... Because that was just the assumption, was that he was just going to yeah. go shop himself as May, an and, offensive coordinator. And maybe his mind is shot after this season. Well, that, and you look back, he didn't win at Texas Tech. He was the coordinator at USC for all of seven minutes, and then he gets the Arizona. So it's been a whirlwind of a career for him up to this point. Yeah. You know, he was at Oklahoma at one point as an offensive coordinator. So a whirlwind career... And so maybe he's asking himself the question, do I really want to do that for the rest of my life? Like, I've tried this. It's not working out the way I want it to. Yeah. Uh, Listen, I'm all for, and I'm all all for people, you know, uh, reevaluating and going and taking, you know, some time off and and going to find themselves because that's a very uh, important question to ask. You know, he hasn't had any success in success in it, per se, to this point. And so, it's important that he evaluates because after this season, you know, you, you have the PR mess that's a of a contract with your star quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have to retract that. And then you go on the season, you're having a horrible season, and then boom, 
if the quarterback gets hurt and the season's over, you know, basically after that, the season's over. And so it's a horrible year. So you have to, like, take a step back and, and, and kind of reevaluate and look at some stuff and say, okay, do I want to do this? But, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm interested in this journey, and you know. Uh, however, if anybody will be able to get any kind of information, uh, that'd be great. I, I think that we'll probably hear more from that later. I yeah. think he just had to answer the question right now of, are you going to shop yourself as an offensive coordinator? And he said, no, you know, I'm I'm gone. I'm not interested. And, you know, you'll hear from mm-hmm. me later. Yeah. Uh, kind of looking not so much at the coaching side of things, but the player carousel is going to start spinning now as well. You know, the, the further that we get into this, the closer we get to free agency, the offseason, all of those things. And the quarterback uh, game of musical cheers really took off last night. Tom Brady's out of the playoffs. The will he, won't he. Now, the interesting thing with that, that I took from the, the conversation with Elwin in regards to Tom Brady is that nobody seems to be considering the fact that he may retire. Like they, I guess everybody at this point is just assuming he's going to play. Yeah. yeah, probably not in Tampa, but he's gonna play. You watched him last night. I've watched him, you know, two or three times now this season. He doesn't look like he's happy in Tampa that he wants to be there. It looks like all the fun, you know, he said he was having is over. The 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 high of going to a new team and then winning a Super Bowl, all that's kind of worn off on him. He wants to go elsewhere. Of course, there's the connection, you know, with Josh McDaniels there in Las Vegas. Is he looking at the Raiders and going, "That's a, a team that hey, we can go and." and make it a competitive team quickly, you would assume... Him, and two, to just take some of the load off. To say, you know, every once in a while we're going to kind of eat some clock. We're going to cause the defenses to move down. Yeah. You didn't do that. You would have that intensity. You have Derrick Henry, the battering ram. But here, battering here's rams. the thing. Tampa had it. They didn't use it. No, Tampa didn't have it. I mean, you look at their statistics throughout the year. That offensive line did yeah, not but allow I, a run game. I, I, I'm telling you, they had it. They, might, they didn't have it any more than what the Cowboys did that game. They had it probably a little bit better because you look at it when they were handing the ball off. Nine times out of ten, that it, it probably wasn't even Leonard Fournette. It was the other one, White, or whatever his name was. It was White, but but he, he was still didn't meet expectations. Okay, time. but he was doing he was getting them down there. They stopped running the ball when, and that's the thing. But a lot of it is that offense. That offensive line in Tampa is so bad. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't. They're not blowing anybody off the ball. Yeah. But you would have that in Tennessee. You would have a good offensive line. You would have a battering ram for a running back. You have an intermediate passing game there. You know that they're not going to ask you to stretch the field. You know more than you need to. 
you you can go back to kind of what you okay, did but, in the uh, meeting. Okay, but all right, but but hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let's just, let's stop right here, because I don't want to jump on the Tennessee wagon too fast. What in the world are you going to do with Malik Willis? I think that they've seen enough from him this past, you know, because he he played what was it three or four games this year. Uh huh. I think they've seen enough there to go. He's not NFL ready. So and, what do you do? You bring it. You get rid of Ryan Tannehill, which it seems that they want to move on from him for whatever reason over there. You get rid of him. You get to bring Tom Brady in, maybe on a one, maybe two year deal, probably a, a one year deal. You let him coach up Malik Willis because he is willing to work with younger quarterbacks. Okay. You you let him coach so, up Malik Willis, and you see what Tom Brady can do for you. So is Dobbs gone? Possibly. What did he do? He's not a bad quarterback. Give him why? why? Well, see, that's what I'm but, saying. But they're they're that's ready to move why... on. Tennessee's ready to move on. That's the thing. I I think it comes yeah. down to they want Malik Willis in the future, but they've seen enough from Malik Willis to say he's not NFL ready. Everybody assumed that he was, but you 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 saw some things there. He's not. He's very athletic. I think he's got a chance I, to be pretty yeah. good, but he's not NFL ready. And so I think it's a matter of, okay, who can best help him? Ryan Tannehill does not want him there. You know, that that's the thing. And so do you continue with that friction or do you bring in another veteran who is willing to work with him because he knows I'm only going to play another year or two and then I've got a $300 million deal with Fox that wait, you know, that, that's waiting on me. Yeah. And then I'm going to walk away from football and, you know, I'm going to go do my own thing. He's not going to be threatened by Malik Willis. That I think that I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying I'm necessarily on the bandwagon, but just the fact that that's being floated out there among you know some of the insiders, and that that some of Brady's camp is putting that out there is very very intriguing to me. That that team is even a possibility. Uh, that perked my ears up because you go back to the AFC where you've dominated. You know, for the majority of your career, you go back to the AFC. And you got a chance. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, it could happen. I mean, I see. Okay, yeah, you you do want a veteran presence, especially a veteran presence like Tom Brady to uh, to train up a, a quarterback, a young quarterback at that. But if that's the case, I just say why why bring in Dobbs? I mean, if you knew your season, you were out of the playoffs. Uh, you weren't gonna make. You know, you had lo- lost yourself out of out of that ch- chance. Why bring in Dobbs? Why not just put Malik Willis out there? Because they don't want to contend. Because you already tried it. And here's the thing: we've seen enough of these young quarterbacks get thrown out there and get clobbered. That we're gonna see more and more NFL teams give them a game or two, and if they feel like they're not NFL ready, they're pulling them. And it ain't happening. And they're not going to continue, you know, if they look at their team and go, that's not a a good team, we're not going to put ourselves in a position to where that's going to hinder him, you know, a year or two down the road. They're not going to do that. And so I think it was just a matter of Tennessee trying to protect, you know, Malik Willis to the best of their abilities, you know, moving forward. Uh, But I think that we'll have to to wait and see. I, I just thought that that was a very, you know, intriguing possibility then you look at Derek Carr. Is he going to wind up in Indianapolis? Because that kind of seems to be the the common thought. You know, is that he's going to go be the the quarterback of the Colts? I could see that working out. Does he go to the Jets? That's a possibility. 
And because we all know that they're going to be in the market uh, for a veteran quarterback, it seems that they're ready to move on from Zach Wilson uh, and that they're not going to turn, you know, permanently, of course, to Joe Flacco. So, uh, you know, those are a couple of potential landing spots. What about Jimmy G? You know, where where does he get a seat, you know, at the table in all of this? I think that that's, that's also something, you know, to look at. With these names being floated out there and the fact that Tom Brady is not saying no to playing another year fills another one of those spots, you know, that could be open for a Jimmy G type of quarterback. And so it, it'll be interesting over the next few days. Now, Tom Brady said last night, listen, I'm not going to make any decisions. I'm going to take this, you know, day by day as best I can. I think he certainly, you know, doesn't want to put himself in the position he did last year where he made a decision a day or two after, you know, the playoff loss and then, you know, that whole mess of Willie Wanting, no, he's not, and then, you know, he's coming back. I, I think he certainly wants to avoid that. But you, you, you're you going to have all eyes on Tom Brady, not just because it's Tom Brady, but because the teams that he's looking at could be landing spots for some other guys and, and him going there would kind of take a seat away from the table for the quarterback uh, position. And then, you know, you also have to consider Aaron Rodgers. Does Aaron Rodgers decide there's been no word from him? You know, the day after his season ended, uh, after the, the home play or the home game loss to uh, Detroit, he wasn't on the Pat McAfee show, as was his custom on Mondays. He would always be on there and kind of do his thing. He didn't come on the show. Pat McAfee said, listen, he, you know, told me he wanted to kind of take a breather and, and think about some things. There is some real thoughts out there that Aaron Rodgers is going to walk away from the game of football. That he, you know, has reached a point, and we talk about how unhappy Tom Brady looked, as unhappy as Tom Brady looked, Aaron Rodgers looked ten times worse. I mean, there there was no point where you thought Aaron Rodgers is enjoying football. Uh, it didn't look that way at all. And does he want to play anywhere outside of Green Bay? Or is it just one of those where he's ready to do something different and that opens up, again, opens up another seat at the table for a quarterback because you get the sense that they're not sold on Jordan Love uh, in Green Bay. <laughs> I don't know about Aaron. I mean, maybe he is. And if he is, you know, I don't fault him. You know, you, you, at this point, it's not like you're going to any just spectacular teams. Uh, with a quarterback talent that he is, you know, I, I'd say you, for him to retire right now. Does he reunite with Devontae Adams in Las Vegas if Tom Brady chooses that, not to go there? I mean, it, it could happen. It could happen, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, I mean, it just you get the sense that he's not sure if he wants to play football. I wouldn't hold my breath. You know, with, with the way that that last press conference with, went and with, just the way he acted. With his personality, man, he could go on to do so much more. Now, I'd rather see him on TV than Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, he likes, he does, I don't know what kind of personality does Tom Brady has. Well, he's, he's got such a dry personality. That's why, I mean, it blew my mind that Fox is going to pay him that kind of money. But I think everybody is intrigued by his football mind. You know, it, can he bring that to the, the booth? And, and it goes back to the fact that Tony Romo does his job just so well. You know, yeah. and everybody has fallen in love with these quarterbacks that are more cerebral quarterbacks, if you will. Uh, 
you know, so we'll see. Yeah. But, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's his legacy. And it depends on how he wants to go out. You know, he wants to go out with this, having a career, a season like this, or do he want to go out, you know, having a decent mm-hmm. uh, season. But, I, it could, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a toss up between him and Tom. We get the sense that, you know, they're done. And then there's also a possibility they may be just headed somewhere else and they're not, you know, too vocal on it. They're just, you know, kind of, because when they get too vocal on it, you get the sense that, you know, it's like, okay, they're going to go somewhere and they're, it's going to be, you know, it, you, you get, it's like the, the, the Russell Wilson effect, you know, when he left, when he left Seattle and went to Denver, like, oh man, this is going to be great. And then it, it, it gets over there and it's, and it's like a, um, fail souffle. It, it mm-hmm. flattens, <laughs> you know, and you don't want that for either. I don't, you know, I hate, I'm not gonna say I hate to see it for Tom Brady. Cause I'm not really a Tom Brady fan, but for his legacy and his career is, is not good. Yeah. For Aaron Rodgers, he still has something in him that he could still go somewhere else and, you know, still be Aaron Rodgers and go out on top. But uh, at this point, you don't know if that'll happen. You don't know. You don't You don't get the sense that it's like he wants to go somewhere else. You know, it was mentioned throughout the season, but at this point, at this point, it's like, yeah, he's done. Because I mean, I, we talked about it. That last game, he didn't look. Uh, those last few games, he didn't look like he was comfortable out there, confident, and he like he was like just ready to go. To yeah, he like just ready to go home. You know, just yeah. I'm out here to get it, you know, to get it over with, and just going through the motions, and then I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. And, and another name that could really shake up the you know quarterback controversy here is Lamar Jackson because now there's also a sense. That not only will he not get a contract uh, extension with Baltimore outside of the franchise tag, but they may be willing to trade him. That they might be looking to to send him somewhere else because of the divide in the locker room over him. Uh, now there's reports that John Harbaugh is not very happy uh, with his decision to sit out of the playoff game and get in front of the media uh, prior to the game and then not travel with the team. So that could really shake things up. Where you know where where, did, where does he go? Where does he wind up? Who wants that style of quarterback? But there is a very mm. real sense that they're looking maybe to trade him. The Rams. It is it, that 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 was Jaylen the first Ramsey. team when I saw it. That Jaylen was the Ramsey. first thought I had. The Rams with Jalen. Well, yeah, I say the Rams. But I hate it for Baker Mayfield because I actually want Baker Mayfield, Baker May, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> Baker Mayfield to be. The quarterback over there with the Rams. I think that's a perfect fit. But you could have the same type of offense with uh, Lamar Jackson. Just a little bit faster, quicker mm-hmm. with his abilities. And but, with some more designed quarterback runs. Yeah. But if 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 Jalen Ramsey's possibly looking at a way out, that's the way out. You yeah. make that trade happen. You send him to Baltimore for Lamar Jackson. Now, if they're wanting any more than that, it's, it's asinine because Jalen Ramsey's a top player in the game right now. 
that's a fair trade. You shouldn't have to ask for draft picks or nothing. Yeah. That's that's an even trade. Well, right now the feelers that, that are kind of being put out there is that, and, and the sense that's being put out there is that Baltimore's just ready to move on. That that there's a, and, and it's not a foregone conclusion, but that there is that feeling well, it's that shocked. they're tired of this saga. It shocked me that that was that Jim Harbaugh let it go on as long as they did because, as we both know, that's not Jim Harbaugh's offensive jo- style. John, John. John. Yeah. that's not John Harbaugh's offensive style. He never ran an offense like that before. Yeah, you know, he ran a. It was a very well balanced offense. You ran and you passed, mm-hmm. and so it, for him to all of a sudden just switch to a quarterback heavy run style type of offense. That wasn't him. Yeah, and so I don't, I don't. It doesn't shock me that they're ready to move on. I didn't, I didn't think that was, that was gonna last long to begin with. No, but I, it did shock me that it's ending in this way. You know that yeah. that it's gonna end because there's a disconnect between him and the organization, not just over a contract, but over how he's kind of handled this injury well, situation. Uh, yeah, and his teammates. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame him for. Handling handling the the injury situation. Well, but, yeah, but you get the sense that he didn't tell the whole truth because there are players in that locker room saying he was fine, he could have played. They saw him move around, they saw him try, and they said what he did from, from the the gist of what has been set up to this point. And, and you know, you're not going to know one way or the other. Is that we saw him move around? You know, because there's no cameras in practice. We saw him move around. He could have played. You know, it's more that the sense is that he chose not to play because he wants that next contract, and he thought, well, I'll show you. I just won't play in the playoff game, and on top of that, I won't travel with the team. You know, I'm not going to be a part of the team anymore. My thing with Deshaun, well, not Deshaun, I keep thinking saying Deshaun Watson, or Deshaun Jackson. Um, my thing with Lamar Jackson is you, you want pay, and while I'm on his side for the injury, I disagree with him with wanting to be paid that much money. What if whatever you've done? money? Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. So you look at Michael Vick. Lamar Jackson has been compared to Michael Vick in his gameplay and style, but there's one key uh, difference, and that's the fact that Michael Vick could sling. I mean, yep. he could air it out. And Michael Vick's the one that said, "Put a brace on and play." Yeah. Michael Vick could air it out. That's the reason before he had even got in trouble and went to prison. That's the reason why he was on his way to get that big contract from Atlanta. Yeah. Because he could throw he an it. arm. He yeah. had an arm. I think people forget that about Michael Vick. Yeah, because he they, had an arm. You look at how he just ran around, he was able to make things happen. But and he could throw too. Yeah. You know? And you started to see that more when he was in Philly. Yeah. You know? He used his arm a lot more. And so that's the difference between Michael Vick's style of play and what Lamar Jackson does. Lamar Jackson is not... We haven't, I haven't seen anything from him throwing-wise. If there is, I would have to look it up and I have to evaluate it. But No, I've watched play and he, yeah. he doesn't have well, a great arm. He's not... Well, and, I remember coming out of the, college, the, he didn't have yeah, a great arm. No, because it's how they used him. Yep. And so, I remember watching... Matter of fact, because I don't watch the Ravens. I don't... I, I, there's highlight clips of more that are short on ESPN or whatever, and I watch those. But I remember watching. There was one game I did watch, and that was that fir- their first playoff game mm-hmm. that they had. And I remember watching that game. I was like, they don't have any receivers, 
And it was it was throwing balls that weren't catchable, and the receivers were dropping them, and it was all it was the worst playoff game I think I've watched in a while. Uh, for it's like that, so I'm like, okay, what does Baltimore have to do? Well, they had to they have to get receivers. Well, they got receivers. Now it's like, okay, now what do they got? Now it's like they don't have a quarterback. Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. You know he's not accurate, and so. Lamar Jackson, you worried about the wrong thing. You worried about a contract. And I said this, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the season when it was brought up. And it's the same then as it is, or same now as it was then. You know, what have you done? Yeah. You know, other than just run around and, and do a couple of jukes and make people, like, that's yeah. not worthy of a long time big contract. It just, it's, it's just not. And you've seen, and Kyle Murray situation should prompt you to be like, okay, I'm just going to chill. I'm I'm going to test my options, yeah. you know. But, man, you don't do that much to be wanting that much. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. It'll certainly be a topic, you know, conversation. But we're kind of wrapping up the show here. Had a good one. Yeah. Packed full of NFL stuff and more to come yeah. the rest of the week. And so, um, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, the more news on, of course, there's going to be talk about the Cowboys game throughout the week. We'll yeah. talk about more of that. But I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what's up with uh, Kingsbury, man. All right. Well, we'll see y'all in the morning, 9 to 11, here at Good Old Sports. Peace.